Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming to you on the hump day edition of the yard. Hope the levels are good. I had to mess with a little bit here, but uh, you, know, you take the stuff on the road, you got to come back and recalibrate, right? But uh, yeah, I'm back in Starkville. Had a great time with the wife. Hope you guys had a wonderful Valentine's Day. And if nobody told you, I love you. I do. And I know that you love me. I don't love you the way I love her, but I do love you. And I hope that uh, the people that you love let you know how much they love you yesterday. And I hope that you share with all of them how much you love them. But let's be honest, Valentine's Day is about romantic relationships. It's not Kids Day. It's not Mother's Day. It's not Dad's Day. It's Valentine's Day, right? So I hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day. Those of you that didn't, maybe better luck next year, right? Uh, you know, I, I will tell you this, though. I, I'm not a big proponent you know, buying yourself something on Valentine's Day. I'm just not. I mean, I, listen, I buy myself stuff all the time because I feel like I work hard. I deserve to treat myself every once in a while, but not on Valentine's Day. It just, I don't know. Do what you want to do. It just sounds kind of depressing to me. But nevertheless, we got a lot of basketball content today. Some big developments out there that uh, involve the Bulldogs. We're going to preview the Kentucky game. We're going to look ahead to it, the women's game against Missouri. We're going to talk a little bit about this weekend's baseball series against VMI. We'll kind of learn about them on the fly. We'll talk about that. It's about to be a very busy time. That's the thing about a show like today. We haven't played a basketball game since I recorded a show. You know, so there's nothing to recap. We're just kind of previewing. And then Friday will be busy for us as we kind of look back on what happened against uh, the University of Kentucky on the men's side and on the women's side in Missouri. But uh, it's about to be a very busy time. It is. And so I hope that you've enjoyed a little bit of a, of a hiatus, a chance to take a deep breath, because I tell you, you know, me and the illustrious Hind Dog talk every day, multiple times a day. And Hind Dog and I were talking about uh, it's been wide open, you know, since Thanksgiving week until National Signing Day. And then, of course, we had to settle the staff, you know, so it's been crazy, crazy, crazy. But for the last week or so, things have kind of calmed down a little bit. So I hope you've had a chance to kind of take a deep breath. Now, I've cautioned you guys, too, with this busy stretch coming up, you need to get your honeydew stuff done. Now, you will be happy to know your good friend and host painted the garage and cleaned out the garage. I did all that in advance of the wife coming home because I'm not a big DIY person. I'll just be honest with you. I, I don't even like cutting the grass. Like, they've been out here working on the pool, and they've got ruts and everything. I'm thinking, well, that's less grass i got to mow for a while, And even, even though I don't mow a lot of it. But uh, my point being is I'm not just out here talking a good game. I'm walking the talk, too, right? So you got a couple more days to get ready because you're going to be at uh, Duty Noble Field sooner rather than later. And if you're not here, you're going to want to watch the games on the app or on TV. So get your stuff done so you don't have that anxiety kind of weighing you down. Don't be a procrastinator. Go ahead and get it done. And maybe do something extra, too. Don't just do the minimal stuff. Go ahead and do something extra. It gets you a little bit of grace, you know, with a significant other. It's like, hey, I went ahead and did this. Cleaned out the fridge or the deep freeze or the garage or the whatever. 
take her car, get it washed, do something. Give yourself a little peace. You ought to be doing that stuff anyway. But my point being is that uh, we are entering a very busy time for Mississippi State fans. And it's so good to be in the middle of February. Instead of us, uh, you know, talking about we should make a coaching change, we're talking about postseason basketball. That's a great thing. And, I, again, I am so encouraged by the way that our fans have embraced these two teams. You can see it in the social media traffic. You can see it in attendance. You can see it on the message board. If you're not a member of jeanspage.com, you should be. Go there and check us out. We're bigger and better than ever. Become be a part of that. We got it. We have a very dedicated group of basketball posters too. We have a group that I mean, listen. They they love football and they like baseball. They love men's basketball. And so if you're one of those people, it's like, hey, I, I wish I had some people I could talk bulldog hoops with that are very knowledgeable and that have kind of followed this thing up close and personal for a while. You can find those folks on our basketball board at jeanspage.com. All right, check out Bulldog Burger Company. I will be in there soon. Not sure when. I think I've been three the last four weeks. And uh, I love going in there because, number one, I know what to expect. And listen, I had a great meal yesterday. I guess, what? what yeah, yesterday, whatever day it was. Monday. I had a great meal Monday out in Albuquerque. Had some authentic Mexican food. Um, and I'll be honest with you. It's like when I go to a place like that, and, and this will sound backwards maybe, like I like to see other Mexican people in there because I know that I'm in the real deal place, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like if I go there, if it's good enough for people that are, the, you know, the Spanish-speaking people that I feel like, hey, it's, it's going to be good enough for me. And so I had a great meal there, and uh, that's the thing about Bulldog Burger Company is when you walk in there, these are people that know what they're doing. These aren't just people doing the job. These are people that understand the mission they have at Bulldog Burger Company. And so there is an authenticity there. You get great food at a great price with a great atmosphere and three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in a Ridge and Flowood area. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. I can personally endorse that. That's one of the reasons I'm as beautiful as I am is because of those spring rolls. It'll help you too. It'll make everything around you look better. Get that great restaurant quality hamburger, whether it be the Mission. I get the Pico de Gallo on the side when I get that one. The Freshman 15 is a longtime favorite of mine as well. I like the Bryant, the Laura, and they're just, I mean, you can't hardly go wrong there. But it's more than just hamburgers. You know, you get the great chicken wings. You've got the BLT salad. I prefer it grilled. You may like it fried. I got to keep my girlish figure, you know, and so I'm careful about that sort of stuff. But uh, be sure and go find your own favorites today at Bulldog Burger Company. A uh, happy hour each day, 3 to 6, and uh, very soon we're going to have some uh, some tap takeovers. We'll have some uh, information for you about that. So some special events coming up at Bulldog Burger Company you're going to want to be a part of. Be sure and uh, kind of keep abreast of all that, new developments, and uh, there will be some changes to the menu soon, too. They'll, they'll try some things out. That's the good thing about that place. It's never stagnant. I mean, you can get your old favorites, but they're always looking to kind of add I like places like that. They don't just say, you know what, hey, we're good enough. Now we're always trying to get better. That's one of the things I love and respect about Bulldog Burger Company. Go check them out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. We're getting ready to play the University of Kentucky in basketball. That hadn't always been fun. It's not, because you know how it is. It's like Alabama football, right? A lot of people are scared to make big calls. A lot of people are scared to do something that, uh, you know, might draw the ire of the SEC office. So it's a little different. 
So we're going to have to beat the officials, and we're going to have to beat the University of Kentucky, which is still a very talented team. That's one thing that I, I, I kind of look to all the time with this stuff is the um, you know, Kentucky's talent is good enough to have a good night at any point. You can look at their schedule and you look at and we're going to talk about that just here shortly, but you can look at it and say, okay, well, uh, hey, they're not having a good year. This is still a very talented team, a very, very, very talented team. And it's a team that we have not had a lot of success against. I mean, one of the reasons, you know, we, we remember wins over Kentucky is they, they come so infrequently. Kentucky has won 16 in the last 17 in the John Calipari era. The long win we had was uh, a 74-73 win in the 2001 SEC tournament. That was the day of the big Jamont Gordon three-pointer, and they still try to take that one away from us. We have played Kentucky a total of 121 times. We have 21 victories against them. That's it. So you're facing tradition. You're facing talent. You're facing a tremendous coach, despite what uh, some of the Kentucky fans may say today. An outstanding team. We're going to have to play to the best of our ability to win this ballgame. And this is kind of one of those exercising the demon games. If you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like we believe that we're a good team. Are we a really good team? Can we go beat a team with a roster filled with four- and five-star guys? That's going to determine the quality of our season in many respects. It's going to determine the quality of, uh, of our SEC record and our place in the standings. You win this game, even though Kentucky's not having a great year, it is kind of like a helmet sticker win. They beat Kentucky. And even in a mediocre year, that means something. To beat a blue blood program like Kentucky at any point under any circumstances is a big deal. We have grown up and matured a lot as a program over the course of the last uh, month. We've all seen it. We're all excited. And now we get the familiar falls from Lexington. Can we get over the hump here? Because you feel like if we can, we can continue a pretty good run here. Let's take a look and see about Kentucky. Kind of see what they've done and what they're about. It's also interesting to me. You know, Kentucky, even with the year they're having, you look at that roster and you think, you know what, you absolutely cannot show up and go through the motions and expect to win this game. All right, so we'll start back here. This Kentucky website, I'll tell you one thing. Oh, my goodness. It's it's absolutely crazy sometimes how all this stuff goes together. It's like people put so many, you know, buzzers and whistles on these websites. They give you a chainsaw when all you need is a butter knife. All right, Kentucky is 16-9 and and now 7-5 and in a conference. They have lost two in a row. They are 12-3 and at home, 3-4 and in true road games, and 1-2 and on a neutral floor. So just 4-6 and away from Rupp. It all started uh, you know, with some exhibition games for them, and, of course, they breezed through all of that, as you'd expect. Of course, they're playing, you know, pickup games, basically. But uh, they opened the season – uh, with a big win over Howard, I say big only in, in margin, not in quality of opponent, 95-63. They get through Decanes. They get Michigan State, and they lose that game in double overtime, 86-77. That was in uh, Indianapolis in the State Farm Champions Classic. So a big ball game there that just didn't go their way. And Michigan State, obviously, also a team that uh, has had a lot of success in this generation. They respond by beating... <laughs> South Carolina State by 43. They didn't lose to Gonzaga in Spokane, 88-72. So that game, even though 
you know, and I'm not a big Gonzaga fan. I think, you know, I know the, the college base basketball purists despise that kind of talk. I think Gonzaga is, uh, I think they're kind of a paper champion, but, uh, but I digress. All right, they get North Florida then by 40. They get Bellarmine by 19. They didn't beat Michigan in London in the Basketball Hall of Fame London Showcase. And I, how cool is that for the Americans there to be able to go to watch that, not with their British friends, but uh, it's still a pretty cool thing. They go over there and take, you know, two championship-caliber programs across the pond there and go play a cool game. They squeaked by Yale 69-59. They didn't lose to UCLA in Madison Square Garden in the CBS Sports Classic. I mean – Give Kentucky some credit here. I mean, they are Kentucky, right? So they, But they're scheduling some pretty difficult non-conference games. The issue is they're just not winning them. I guess they got the big win over Michigan, if you can call that a big win. They get Florida A&M by 20. To get into SEC play, they open SEC play on the road in Columbia, Missouri, and lose by 14 to the Tigers. They bounce back to beat Louisville, 86-63. They ease by LSU. And that's back when people thought LSU might be pretty good. The, the Cats get them by three in Rupp. And then Alabama gets the Wildcats in Coleman Coliseum, and they absolutely wear them out, 78-52. to 52. And I think that's when the people of Kentucky said, you know what, we're in trouble. It's like, okay, you lose on the road to Missouri that went out and spent all this time and money in the transfer portal and revamped their roster. Okay, maybe that's a blip on the radar. But then you go face an Alabama team that everybody knows is good, and you get absolutely crushed. Crushed. You go back home, and then you squeak by South Carolina by three. Then you go to Knoxville, and you beat Tennessee 63-56. Now you think, okay, excuse me, they lost South Carolina. Excuse me. How did I miss that? They lose to South Carolina by three and Rupp. And everybody thinks they're dead and buried. Then they go to Tennessee and win. They beat Georgia. They get A&M, one of the the few losses the Aggies have had in SEC play. They go to Vandy and win there by 16. They lose to Kansas by 9 in Rupp. They ease by Ole Miss in the Pavilion by 9. They get Florida by 5. They lose to Arkansas by 15. Then they go to Georgia and they lose to Michael White in that group by 7. And so now we get them coming to Humphrey Coliseum. So you begin to kind of do the math here. You know, they've lost three of the last five, and their two wins are over teams that are likely not going to make the NCAA tournament. That's Ole Miss and Florida. So that's interesting. But again, they go out and schedule these very difficult non-conference games, and they have a very difficult time winning them. I guess Michigan, again, is the only one you can kind of hang your hat on, and maybe the Wolverines can claim they had jet lag from having to fly to England. Not a good season for Kentucky. And, of course, the, the Kentucky Bluegrass fans are just absolutely incensed you know, because they begin every year thinking they're about to win an NFL championship. That's how they feel. That's the expectations. And John Calipari's done a good job there. This is not one of his better jobs. And there are a lot of people that are expecting Kentucky to lose this ballgame. State is actually favored to win the game. And that's the thing, too, when you begin to think about this. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time – We didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's 
E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here. And you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out, or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door we absolutely can make sure that you look for eufy video lock that's visit e-u-f-y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door bulldog fans rodeo season is here I tried the Dixie National Rodeo, get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Kentucky team at the beginning of the year. Kentucky was picked to win the league. 
Number one, easily. Maybe you've forgotten. We were picked 10th. Kentucky was picked to win the SEC. It's not even close. It really wasn't. And Oscar Toshiwe was uh, expected to be the SEC Men's Basketball Player of the Year. When you have that type of talent at your disposal, you begin to wonder to yourself, what, you know, what's happening? If it's not talent, it's got to be coaching, right? Maybe it's chemistry. Uh, Severe Wheeler was also a first-team All-SEC guy. It's phenomenal to go back and look at this. Everybody was all excited. Kentucky's going to be back, and they're going to you know, contend for a potential one seed in the tournament. And now here we are. You know, it's a couple weeks left to play. And Kentucky's a bit of a mess. They absolutely are. There are a lot of people that really expected this Kentucky team to be an outstanding team. And they're not. So we have to take full advantage. That's the big issue with us. We have got to take full advantage of this and not just kind of sit back and say, okay, well, this is Kentucky. We have to respect them, certainly, because they have talent and certainly have you know, the ability to come in here and beat us if we don't play well. But this is a very winnable game for Mississippi State. It scares me just because sometimes you get caught up playing you know, the name on the front of the jersey instead of the back. You start playing the mystique of Kentucky rather than playing the five guys on the floor. If we can go out there and do that, I think Chris Jans is a guy, obviously, that, uh, you know, it, when you don't go to Arkansas and win at Arkansas without a good game plan and without a good coaching staff, without a good focus. We'll be ready to play. I firmly believe that. We need some good things to happen early. It's going to be a near sellout crowd. Could be a walk-up sellout. So if you're still on the fence, I would secure your tickets now. Kentucky averaging 74.8 points a game, allowing 68. That's probably the bigger surprise there. They have not been an absolutely outstanding offensive team, but they haven't been very good on the defensive end. They're only outscoring their opponents by 6.8 points. That won't get it done. That's not the brand of basketball Kentucky fans have grown to love over the year. Shooting 27.8%, allowing 24 36% from beyond the arc, allowing 33%. So you see, none of these statistics are allowing much separation for Kentucky. As a matter of fact, made free throws per game. Kentucky 12.5, their opponents 12.6. That's pretty crazy too. And it looks like Kentucky's having a tough time consistently getting to the line and also basically allowing nearly the same number of attempts per game. So they're not able to defend without fouling. They are doing a, a better job rebounding, out-rebounding out, out opponents by 7.5 a game. Assists, they're dishing out four more per game than their opponents. Turnovers, 1.4 in their, you know, the assist-turnover ratio, excuse me. 1.4 and then one flat for, uh, for their opponents. But uh, they have caused 285 turnovers and they have turned it over 293 times that's pretty crazy to think about really just not a great job defensively and maybe that's where it all starts with Kentucky you know Kentucky I've always seen these teams that kind of get out and really defend and then they get in transition and they get easy baskets the next thing you know they've gone on a big run and put you away now Oscar Tashiwe is playing up to expectations Leads the team in scoring. He started 21 of 23 games. Attempted just one three-point this year, so you probably shouldn't expect that. I'm eager to see what happens with him in Tolo. I mean, like, if if you're Kentucky, don't you want to, you know, dish it down low 
early and try to get Tolo in some foul trouble. Of course, McNair has given us some good minutes there, but there's obviously a talent, talent differential between the preseason All-SEC Player of the Year and our backup center. I mean, you know, not that Will won't go in there and compete. He certainly will. But it all boils down to that, that, that matchup at the five. Antonio Reeves averaged over 13 points a game. Case and Wallace, a dozen. Uh, Jacob Toppin, just under that, 11.7. And then uh, Severe Wheeler was expected to be you know first-team All-SEC guy, not even averaging double digits. And maybe that's got something to do with it. You know, maybe he's not played up to expectations. He's only started 14 games. He's missed some time. But we're going to have to get out here and play, you know, exceptional. We're going to have to absolutely play exceptional. And this is a team, too, that's obviously, you know, has some guys on the bench, but they're, they're not getting a lot of scoring from the bench. C.J. Frederick is a guy that's uh, pitching in you know, 7.3 a game. Chris Livingston just under six. And after that, it's just like a basket or two or a basket or so for everybody else. So they're not getting a lot of uh, production from their bench. So if you can get them in some foul trouble, again, this is a team that's uh, not, maybe not scoring the proficiency they hoped, you get them in a little foul trouble and kind of get them out of their system, kind of get them out of their sets a little bit, make them play our game. I think you got to go right at them. I, I, I think that's who Chris Jans is too. I don't think we're just going to sit back and let Kentucky bring the game to us. And with the strength of your voices behind them, and as Neil Price says, full throat, uh, if you guys are out there bringing the heat, bringing the funk, when something bad happens to Kentucky, you got to compound that. You got to let them let that marinate and stew a little bit, right? You got to let them hear about it. We absolutely have to have that. I, th- I tell you what. Looking at Oscar's numbers, I mean, it's just one of those things you look at. Like, even in a bad year for the team, this guy is phenomenal. That guy's, and he killed us last year. I mean, he just like, no matter how hard we played, no matter what we ran at him, the guy just made things happen. He did. And that's the key to this ballgame, being able to control him. Uh, 15.7 points a game, 13.3 rebounds, averaging a double-double and change. 68 personal fouls, which leads a team. You know where I'm going with that. But he also, you know, 37 assists for a big man, and that's a guy that's a focal point of the offense. That's impressive. But also 39 turnovers, which is second most on the team. Has 36 deals, which is also second most on the team. 24 blocks, which leads a team. So while he may not be a Naismith finalist, Oscar can play. You all saw him last year. I mean, that, that guy is just a freak of an athlete. There's a reason he's at Kentucky and not at Western Kentucky. All due respect to Hilltoppers. Guy's a phenomenal player. There's really no, there's really no if ands, or buts about that. It's going to be interesting. I think we're going to win the game. And, and you know, I know that's what you want to hear. I think it's got more to do with us. And we talk about signature dubs, right? Talking about you know, getting wins that matter. This is one of those resume-building opportunities, not because, you know, the, the Kentucky's doing well. I think it's one of those mental things. And I think it's, it's a wind-addressing thing, too. It's like how they beat Kentucky. Everybody knows how talented Kentucky is. They're, they're playing beneath their potential at this point, but everybody understands when you beat Kentucky, no matter the circumstances, it's a big deal. It is. So I think this is one of those deals where it's about building our own level of confidence. Getting over the hump, at the hump, 
All right, looking at the net right now, this is always interesting. State now 40 in the net. See, you know, you've come a long way. You've got some upward mobility, too, as you kind of push ahead to this thing. And you look at that, you know, Kentucky, you know, you kind of hope if you can beat Kentucky, maybe they can get hot for you. But the problem with that is, is, uh, you know, Kentucky is behind you in the net at 44. When is the last time we had kind of a bubble play-in game between Mississippi State and Kentucky? Just doesn't happen. And so we're ahead of them. You get the win, you probably move up a little bit. You know, just ahead of us is Iowa, NC State, or Roberts, Utah State. And in Texas A&M, despite their gaudy conference record, just 35 in the net. And I think A&M is about to take some losses. So you start thinking to yourself here, we take care of business, we can have the traffic clear in front of us and kind of get us some margin for error. And, and, and speaking of A&M, let's, let's look at that real quick. This is a conversation that I had yesterday. I think it's important you know, for us to look at the people that we're chasing, right? But A&M has kind of gotten fat on the bottom half of the league, and now all of a sudden things are kind of, you know, like for us, you know, we had to play all those difficult games early, and now we're kind of getting the chance to play some, some more winnable games late. You know, A&M is 10-2 and in the conference, second to only Alabama. But they open up beating Florida, beating LSU, they get Missouri, they get South Carolina, they get Florida again, they lose to Kentucky, they get Auburn, they get Vanderbilt, they lose to Arkansas, they get Georgia, they beat Auburn, they beat LSU again. And so now all of a sudden they got Arkansas, at Missouri, Tennessee, come to state, Ole Miss, and then Alabama. The only sure win on that is Ole Miss. Because you look at the talk, okay, Arkansas is a better team than A&M. Yes, they'll have to go play at College Station, but they're better. Same for Tennessee, same for Alabama. So you have six games remaining, and the three most difficult opponents come to your home arena. So you can say, hey, well, that's a good thing. Probably gives us a bit of an advantage. But your three, your three toss-up games, and it's really two and a half toss-up games, are on the road. So you look at the situation and say, hey, they're 10-2. and two. Sure, they can win a couple of these games, and they should. But I think what you're going to see is – they're going to drop in the net, and they're also going to drop in the standings. Not enough for us to catch them, but I think this is a team, too, that this will be a healthy enough situation that if we're able to pull that game off, that's a really big deal. Not to mention, what if they go on a little bit of a losing streak here? Let's say you drop the night's game against Arkansas, you lose at Missouri, you lose to Tennessee, and then you got to go to Mississippi State, one of the hottest teams in the country, and certainly in the conference. You start thinking about that and you begin to realize, you know, hey, this, this A&M thing might be changing. The whole narrative about that team may be changing. So real quickly here, let's take a quick look back at what we have left. You should be familiar with this. We've talked about it so often. But you know you have Kentucky, and then we traveled to Ole Miss this weekend. Now, there are a lot of people talking about this, and a lot of people, I got, they're allergic to Oxford. I get it. I understand it. But the Bulldogs may need you there on Saturday. And it's a 2.30 tip, so you don't have to go spend the night. If you're on the fence about going to that game, let me encourage you to go. If you're within a reasonable driving distance, go. Unless you're going to be at Duty Noble Field, and many of you have already made plans, say, Steve, listen, I've been waiting for this for a year now. I get it. If you're not coming to Duty Noble, go to Oxford. Go to the game. It's a game we absolutely cannot afford to lose. But you begin to think about this five-game winning streak. If you can manage to win tonight... 
You win this weekend, all of a sudden it stretches to seven, and then you only have two road games left starting next Tuesday at Missouri, home against A&M, home against South Carolina, that's senior night, and then at Vanderbilt on March the 4th. I will be in Frisco, Texas that weekend. So for all of you Nashvillians, a chance for you to turn out. That could prove to be a very important ball game for Mississippi State, not just because of the fact that uh, it's an SEC game, but we may be playing for some important seeding when it comes to the SEC tournament. And so you got a lot of chance to see these guys. And again, you, you begin to think about if you can get through Kentucky, you feel like you can get these next two. Now, granted, Missouri, they didn't match up well with us, but it's a very talented team. They're going to learn from the, you know, the mistakes they made against us down here. So it's going to be a different deal, but still a winnable game for us. And then, of course, A&M, you never know what shape they're going to be in by the time they get here in South Carolina is ready for the season to get over. Vanderbilt's playing better as of late. But dare I say it, if we played our potential, we could win them all. Now, we talk about Kentucky's talent. At some point, our offensive woes are going to show up again. You know, so we probably got another loss or two in us. But let's say we do. Let's say we, we just have two losses in us the rest of the way. Well, now all of a sudden you start thinking, hey, we're 500. We're 99 in the league. That's impressive to think of. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six games left. You go four and two down the stretch, you finish 500 in this league, and you finish with a, a net 40 or better. You probably need to win a game in the SEC tournament just to kind of remove all doubt. But here we are, February 15th, talking about playing our way in. It's, it's impressive. It absolutely is. And I give uh, Chris Jans and the staff a lot, a lot of credit for this. It's like he didn't see this as, okay, what's year one? We're just going to go ahead and kind of do our thing. I mean, the guy's a competitor. And I, I love these post-game videos. I do. I love them. They don't feel contrived in any way whatsoever. There is a genuine commitment to excellence and a love for his team. Those guys are playing hard for him. He's coaching hard for them. So let's go get Kentucky. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler is my friend. Blair Chandler is your friend. Blair is a guy that also sent us a great idea for the top 10 list. We're going to do his on Friday. That's a plan. But maybe you can't wait to Friday to kind of get your new mortgage application in. Maybe you need to refinance. Maybe you've got some debt to consolidate. Maybe you got some home improvement to do. Maybe you need to get a mortgage in the first place. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, Steve? I've always wanted to own a home. I'm tired of throwing my money away renting. I'd like to have a place I could leave to my kids. And even if they don't want to live here, they could sell the house and have a bit of a nest egg for themselves. It's important. We talk about generational wealth. That's part of it. Home ownership is a part of that. So give Blair a call today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Visit him on the World Wide Web at close, C-L-O-S-E, with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And mention to him you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. How cool is that? A lot of people want your business. He's willing to prove it. 21 years of experience in the mortgage industry, and that's a long time. 21 years, long time to do anything. You clearly know what you're doing when you can stay in the game that long. And Blair does because he's in top 1% close ratio in the country. 
back-to-back years. That's a really cool thing. Have a winner like that working for you in one of the most important aspects of your life. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Okay, several of you hit me up and said, hey, the walkout songs are out. How about doing a top 10 of the walkouts? So I got you. Now, one thing that I will say, I'm not, I'm not you know, uh, a pioneer here, but I do find it interesting. And for the last couple of years, I did that article. I went and collected all the information. I did the article. Roy put them on Spotify. Now the university's doing it. So you're welcome, guys. You're welcome. Probably a job you should have been doing anyway. But all that being said, I'm glad to have these out here. And glad it's available for all of you. Also glad that we can um, give the ideas to other people. Uh, but all that said, here, they, they can't give you opinions. I can. I want to give a couple of honorable mentions here. Some that didn't make the list. And I will tell you, I think the pitchers did better than the hitters. So tip of the cap to Cade Smith for all the above from Mano and T-Pain. Uh, Logan Forsyth, fight for your rights, a party. Will Hull, Hoyle, he brings uh, Bishop Gunn. Shines Bishop Gunn. That's cool. I love it. I love it. Colton Ledbetter brings up Earth, Wind, and Fire. Let's groove. Colton, uh, I'm from the 1900s. I had that on 45. Get your parents to explain to you what that meant. And then um, Aaron Downs, Bob Seger's all-time rock and roll. I like it. I like to see these young guys kind of pay some homage to the past. And that's what we're going to get here with our top 10. Brooks Auger, number 10 on our list. And maybe he learned it on Guitar Hero, I don't know. But it's Lonely Is the Night by Billy Squire. It's not Billy's choir, it's Billy Squire. Number nine, I, I, I dig this one a lot. I don't know how good a ball player this kid's going to be, but Austin Tomasino says he's the last of a dying breed from Leonard Skinner. I don't know if I wouldn't have Mississippi Kid. Like, if I was going to do a Skinner song, I think I might do Mississippi Kid. Maybe. Maybe it's just me. But I dig it. Always good to hear Skinner play at Duty Noble Field. They're just some bands and some musical artists that fit. That's one of them. Parker Sinette. Parker is back with the Black Crows song. It's a change from last year. It's twice as hard from the Black Crows, which is off the Shake Your Moneymaker album, which is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And there's Southern Harmony and the Musical Companion. I've got every Black Crows album. But sometimes when I'm traveling, I go, very, I go all the way back to the very beginning. I was working at WCJU at the time. And you can probably hear my radio voice as I say it. WCJU. I was working at CJU, became a program director there. And uh, right around the time the Black Crows Shake Your Money Maker album came out, we were kind of adult contemporary, but uh, I worked them into the playlist. I did. Love that song. Love that album. Thick and Thin is on there. Of course, she talks to angels. The great cover of Otis Redding's classic Hard to Handle. I think the Black Crows did a tremendous job on that one, too. But there you go, Parker Stinnett and Twice as Hard from the Black Crows, number eight. Number seven, Nate Williams. Nate, I almost bumped you up a little bit higher. I had somebody ask me on a radio interview a while back. I said, like, if I had entrance music, what would it be? And this is the song that I offered them. Because my, my, my delusions of grandeur know no bounds. It's Hail to the King from Avenged Sevenfold. I've met those guys M. Shadow's an amazing guy. Ani and I met them actually in Tupelo, Mississippi. Right there. How about that? Pretty amazing. And I love that album. 
I love Avenged Sevenfold. I, I love that album, the self-titled album, and The Nightmare, probably my favorites. Uh, City of Evil was really good, too. But Avenged Sevenfold, of course, uh, you know, have had some adversity throughout their career, most bands do, but Hell to the King, that entire album is phenomenal. All right, Brock Tapper brings uh, kind of football to life, brings the cowbells with him to Duty Noble Field. Brock Tapper goes with Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. One bell, two tolls. It's not For Whom the Bells Toll. It's The Bell Tolls. Single solitaire. You, I, the people make that mistake a lot, and a lot of times I don't correct it, but it bothers me. It shouldn't. My wife will say, why do you go to It bothers me. I didn't choose it, but it bothers me. Let's get it right. But For Whom the Bell Tolls, a, a classic, classic song. And again, let me say again how much I love the Stranger Things folks and the, the writers and directors of Stranger Things for bringing Master of Puppets and Metallica to a new generation of fans. You have that great scene with Eddie, who of course is named after the mascot from Iron Maiden, shows that these guys that write Stranger Things know exactly what they're doing. They don't have to be taught anything. They know the point of reference. And like the the next week, like Master Puppets is like the number one song on iTunes. I dig it, man. It's time to make America metal again. And I appreciate our pitchers for uh, for doing their part. I will claim them as my sons. All right, number five on the list. Bradley Lofton, left-handed softball from DeSoto Central, turned down a ton of money to come play baseball at Mississippi State. You could tell his parents are raising him right, man. Not just because he chose college baseball over pro baseball, but the guy clearly grew up in a house where good rock and roll music is played. And so tip of the cap to the Lofton family, Bradley is representing you with Sweet Child of Mine from Guns N' Roses. Love guns? How can you not? One of the most iconic American rock bands of all time. And, I, and I'll tell you guys, too, for those of you that um, weren't alive in the 1900s and those of you that were and don't remember it and those of you that just kind of faked your way through it now when you were listening to New Kids on the Block and Debbie Gibson and Tiffany and Menudo and people like that and you were avoiding all of us in the smoking section with our denim jackets and our patches and our mullets, right? We were the real deal. Now, of course, many of your parents will come back later and say, oh, yeah, I loved all that stuff. They don't even know it. They didn't know us. They didn't know the scene. But when Guns N' Roses came along, the rock scene needed something fresh. We needed something with authenticity. And Guns N' Roses gave it to us and, and breathed new life into a rock scene that was kind of becoming cookie cutter. Everybody was doing power ballads and teasing their hair up, and all of a sudden Guns N' Roses showed up, so we don't care about any of that stuff. We're going to get it done. And, of course, if you, you can find some old pictures of Axl Rose in his glam years. People say, but Steve, he had his hair all teased up in a jungle video. Yeah, he did. But Guns N' Roses was the real deal. They were a lot like Aerosmith in that respect. There, there was just there was some authenticity to what they did. So, Bradley, thank you for bringing Guns N' Roses to Duty Noble Field. Last year's number one has dropped to number four this year because I wanted to be a little more objective. You know, I'm a Motley Crue apologist. I get into arguments regularly on social media about Motley Crue with people. I should probably be a little less insecure about that. I'm still really upset that Motley's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I love all these people with these hot takes that don't know the band, they don't know anything about their history, and they all, oh. 
shut up. It irritates me. It does. I'm sure I'll die a young man with me and all my bitter resentments. But uh, now, truth of the matter is, I don't have any resentments over anything very serious. It's just uh, this trivial stuff that gets under my skin. But last year's number one is this year's number four, and it's Pico Cones' Kickstart My Heart from Motley Crue. I was so happy to hear Motley. And I, I was always kind of rooting for a pitching change just to hear Motley, which is the wrong approach at a ball game, right? I mean, I shouldn't want us to have to make a pitching change because we just want to do it. But any time that I hear the, you know, Mick Mars' intro to kickstart my heart, it gets me going. I love to hear it on that great sound system. I do. All right, number three. I picked this one ahead of Motley because, number one, I like the selection a lot. It's not because I like Foreigner better than Motley. But I love the fact that Tyler Davis, the transfer from VCU, is bringing Jukebox Hero. I love that song. I think it's one of Lou Graham's shining moments as a vocalist. Jukebox Hero is an amazing song. And we're going to get to hear that a lot this year because I think Tyler Davis is going to pitch a lot this year. I can't wait to hear it. I hope we hear it this weekend. Under good circumstances, of course. Landon Gartman, another transfer. Landon showing up from Bogachitta, Mississippi. Now, if you've ever floated to Bogachitta, and I have, if you grew up in South Mississippi, it's a rite of passage. In, in many years, an annual rite of passage. Summer had not begun until you had floated to Bogachitta. I've done that more times than I care to count. I floated it on an inner tube. I floated it with canoes. I've gone down there and camped out and done things I shouldn't have. Spent a lot of time on the Bogachitta. And Landon is bringing Led Zeppelin, which is a bit of a surprise, to be quite honest with you. Not that, not that I know Landon Garbman, but I know that area of the country really, really well. And I don't know how many people in that part of the, of the state would pick a whole lot of love from Led Zeppelin. So tip of the cap to you, Landon Garbman. Yeah, I get it, because I know most of your, your friends back home, you know, they're all listening to Morgan Wallen, which I'm okay with. I am. Not a huge country guy, but I respect Morgan Wallen. I do. I know it was it March 3rd, the new uh, the songbook drops, whatever it is. You know, a lot of people are excited about it. They tried to cancel Morgan Wallen, it didn't work out. But I know it's a little rare to have classic rock coming from that little hamlet of Mississippi. Number one for me, and, and maybe again, I like the selection. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody have this as a walkout or a walk-up song. Maybe, maybe they did. I don't remember it. But it's Colby Holcomb's Cult of Personality from Living Color. Love the song, love Vernon Reed. I remember when, and when Living Color came out, a lot of people thought, I remember when they first started teasing them, like in Metal Edge and magazines like that, People kind of dismissed them as a bit of a novelty act until they heard the cult of personality. When that video hit MTV, we all ran to the phones and told them to play it again. It's absolutely phenomenal. And it's because of Vernon Reed. Vernon Reed is an absolute amazing guitar player. And all of a sudden, that album Vivid hit the shelves and everybody had to go buy it. Of course, there's, uh, you know... Open Letter to a Landlord, and there's so many other great songs on there. Love Rears Its Ugly Head, I guess it was on the second album. Living Color is the real deal. 
I've never seen them in person. I'd like to. I know they still tour a little bit occasionally. But the cult of personality, I cannot wait to hear that song ring out over the speakers at Duty Noble Field. So that's my top ten. Of course, you didn't hear any country stuff in here. I did, you know, give tip of the cap a couple things early on. But uh, I, I, I thought the hitters, the hitters pick more country stuff. The pitchers pick pick more rock stuff. And as a as a team that I think is going to uh, need all the help we can get pitching wise to kind of settle things down, I'm glad we're going rock. I'm glad these guys have a bit of an edge to them. Excites me. And so that's your top 10 list for today. And again, we'll do Blair's list on Friday. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. A lot of good feedback about our list on Monday that I recorded out in New Mexico. I don't know what it is about New Mexico. It's like maybe you guys don't want me here in Mississippi. Every time I go out to New Mexico, people are like, hey, Steve, the show was really good. I I had several people message me after Monday's show to tell me how good the show was. I didn't think it was that great, to be honest with you. But I was with my wife, and so you know may, maybe there's some good shows in the future because uh, she'll be here, right? And I'll be at my, at my desk. But um, a lot of good feedback about our top ten list on Monday about the fake bands. And I had somebody on our YouTube channel hit me up and say, the five heartbeats. You know what? I didn't go in that direction, but I, I, I will give you the tip of the cap there. Uh, there's been a lot of good movies like that. We're kind of going to be in a similar vein on Friday. I won't give you the details yet, but we're going to be something similar to what we had on Monday. A lot of good discussion about that list on Monday. And there will be a lot of good uh, discussion today. I know for some reason you guys get so excited about these walkout songs. I do too because I I know what kind of environment that brings at Duty Noble Field. But uh, those are my takes on the songs for this year's walkouts. And they'll change. There will be some guys that are getting a slump and they'll change or whatever. Uh, That happens. But uh, I will miss hearing... um, Whiskey glasses from Morgan Wallen. I, I will miss that because R.J. Yeager was such a great guy. He still is a great guy. He was a great addition to our team. I remember that walk-off he hit, I guess it was against Alabama. Really was kind of like his indoctrination to being a diamond dog. But I'll miss hearing that song this year because when R.J. came up, I, I expected good things to happen. It didn't always happen. But the guy had a killer year for us on, our, on a team that proved to have a really bad season. And, I, you know, I wish that he would have had a better experience from a win-loss standpoint. I know he had a great time here. Ended up signing an undrafted free agent deal with a pro team. Uh, recently got married. But I'll miss hearing that song. I'm sure they'll probably work it in on a playlist uh, at some point. But, yeah, I'll miss hearing that. It's because I'm going to miss R.J. Yeager being here. And uh, I miss all the guys that are gone. But uh, R.J. last year, that was that one song that kind of like, when you heard it, you're like, oh, it's a big moment here, and Whiskey Glasses comes up, and so it's like you get this heightened sense of anticipation that something cool may be about to happen. But I wish uh, RJ the absolute best, an amazing guy, amazing guy. And I had a chance to talk to him after he signed his UFA deal and uh, how excited he was. And, and uh, you like to see good things happen to good people. you know. And i tell you what's interesting, too, is like, you know, he had this long, long relationship with his girlfriend, and he came here, and he started playing that Whiskey Glasses song. And I even asked him one day, like, off off the media cuff, I was like, you and your girlfriend still together? He goes, oh, yeah, man, sure. And I was like, oh, well, you know, you heard the song, and I'm, I'm a kind of person that kind of reads too much into it. I guess music is, you know, maybe too important to me. But I was a little bit curious, you know. Uh, so anyway, I guess uh, if he'd used U-Proof or something like that, it may be a little bit different. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks as always for your support of Top 10 List. If you have ideas, reach out to Roy Samanti on Twitter. You can get them to me. I'll try to screenshot them and get them to Roy. I'm kind of imperfect with that. I'll be honest with you. 
But uh, you can follow Roy on Twitter and on Spotify at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And keep up with all of our top ten lists. And thanks. We've had a, a good run here as of late with new suggestions. And uh, it's been such a big part of the show. There's so many people that come up to me at book signings or they see me out and say, Steve, I love the top ten. I've l- I like to get your take on things, but I like learning about new bands and new music and kind of hearing some of the stories behind the songs, and I'm more than happy to bring that to you. Our next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution. Go by and see their smiling faces the next time you're in town. It's on the backside of campus, very easily positioned. Come out of their parking lot, take a left, take a right, and next thing you know, you're right there at all Mississippi State sporting venues. Very easy to get to. Go by and check them out today. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR. Which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. The greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe is at Campus Bookmark. The upstairs, the bully shop been completely renovated. Allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merch. Many of you will be heading to town this weekend. Maybe you're in town for the ball game tonight. Swing by Campus Bookmark on your way to Humphrey Coliseum. Pick up some new Mississippi State merch. You'll be glad you did. And maybe you didn't get that uh, special gift from that special someone. And maybe now it's perfectly acceptable for you to treat yourself. Go ahead and order yourself something online today. Have it shipped directly to your home. That's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, the women will be in action tomorrow night as they take on the University of Missouri. The, uh, The season the ladies have had is well documented. It's been a little bit up and down at times. We're playing well as of late. Won three games in a row. Got to go on the road to take on a Missouri team that uh, has been fairly mediocre. 15-10 and 10 overall. 4-8 and eight in the Southeastern Conference. They've lost two games in a row. 9-5 and five at home. And Mizzou Arena has been a tough place for, you know, opposing teams to come play on the men's and women's side here in recent years. Very much a winnable game for Mississippi State. It's always a tough time to go on the road in the Southeastern Conference, but for road games, this is not a bad one for us. A chance for us to go up there and get one and kind of keep things rolling. As you guys are well aware, ladies are playing a pretty good brand of basketball right now. Again, three wins in a row. You get this Missouri game, and you've got two back-to-back home games before you hit the road to Baton Rouge. There's four regular season games left. Two at home, two on the road. Of the two remaining road games, this, of course, is the more winnable of the two. We have to take full advantage. Ladies are right there on the bubble, on the positive side of the bubble just now. We'll talk about that uh, shortly. But you got to go get this one. And then when you begin to think about the SEC standings, you know, your ladies right now sitting, I wouldn't say comfortably, but you're right there at sixth in the conference. The team right directly above you is Alabama at 8-4. and four. The team directly behind you is Arkansas at 6-6. Six and six. Both of those games come at home starting Sunday. So Sunday and Thursday, and again, next Thursday is Greek night. For those of you in the, uh, in the Greek community, be sure you turn out and represent your fraternity or sorority. But you start running through the numbers here, and you begin to realize – you win two of the next four, that makes you nine and seven, winning record in the SEC. You're probably in the tournament. You win three of these four, you get 10 wins in the SEC, you're in the tournament. You absolutely are. Let's take a look at the Missouri Tigers and the season they've had. 
It used to be a really difficult place to play for us. <laughs> I mean, even in the greatest times, we had to go up there and really play well. Uh, Missouri opened up conference play. Uh, let's see, uh, at Kentucky, excuse me, home against Kentucky. They win that game 74-71. You know, I guess you would say probably a decent non-conference record for these uh, for these ladies at the beginning of the year. Uh, they were 11-2 and going into SEC play and probably felt pretty good about themselves. I mean, not necessarily a stellar non-conference schedule, but they did pick up a couple of wins uh, over some Power 5 opponents so it wasn't like they just, you know, scheduled a Mississippi School of Math and Sciences. But they open up with a win over Kentucky. Then they go to Auburn. So they're 2-0 and in the conference, and you're thinking, hey, you know, maybe things are going to be okay. They add some evidence to that line of thinking by going to Tuscaloosa and winning by one. So a 3-0 and start in the SEC. And then since that win at Alabama, the rails have pretty much come off for the Lady Tigers. They lose to Arkansas by 22. They lose to LSU by 20 at home. They lose by 31 on the road at South Carolina. They lose by three against Tennessee. And listen, we know what Tennessee is, and obviously that shows uh, the commitment the Tigers have to play at home because that game was played at Missouri. They go on the road, lose by nine at Georgia. Georgia's proven to be a pretty tough home team this year too. They lose at Kentucky by 23. Their lone win as of late was a big blowout of Vanderbilt, 86-69, and then they lose to Alabama, 76-69. The most recent game was a loss at Arkansas, 61-33. We talk about anomalies in the schedule. I don't care who you are or where you're from. When you score in the 30s, you're not going to win an SEC women's basketball game. Just not going to happen. This has not been a tremendously uh, talented team offensively. The numbers kind of reflect that. We get them 7 p.m. at their arena. So that's going to be an SEC Network Plus broadcast. So you'll need to use your app to watch that. But that should be a game we could win and a game that we should win. And quite frankly, a game we have to win. If we want to remain in the field, you got to win this one. You got to win this one because you got two toss ups coming up and then a very difficult game at LSU. And I'm already penciling in that loss at LSU. So basically, you've got three games to prove your tournament worthiness. We need to win all three of them. We have to win two of these three. And I think of the three, this is probably, despite the fact it's on the road, this is probably the least talented team that we're going to play down the stretch these final four games. All right, the Tigers are averaging 65.3 points a game. They're giving up just over 62. They are are shooting a 43% clip, but also allowing right at 40%. But 43% is pretty good considering that this is a 15-10 and 10 team. Three-point shooting has been uh, a bit of a strength for them, averaging right at 35%, also giving up right at 35%. So that while they're scoring some from the perimeter, they're allowing some from the perimeter. They're making just over seven threes a game and giving up just less than seven a game. They have been a pretty good free-throw shooting team at 72.5%. Their opponents shooting nearly 74%. No defense for that. You just got to put the right person at the line. Rebounding has been a bit of an adventure at times for them. They do have some length in this lineup. Averaging 34 rebounds a game and giving up 33. So you see, again, you know, the numbers reflect the record. You're 15 and 10 for a reason. It's because you have nothing to really hang your hat on here. Uh, turnovers have been a real problem for Missouri. 16 per game. They're only forcing right at 15 per game. Not, not getting a lot of steals either. 
Uh, that's pretty much, uh, you know, kind of a even thing, kind of a slight margin from Missouri. Considering the quality competition they played in non-conference, you'd expect that number to be a little more exaggerated. Uh, 70 blocks, but they've allowed 76. And so when you, you begin to look at the numbers, you know, your season is, you're exactly what the numbers say you are. We talk about the records. You know, the records are exactly what you'd expect them to be when you look at the statistics and see there's just not a lot here to get really excited about. Uh, Haley Frank leads them in scoring at 15.3 points a game. Just two Lady Tigers averaging double digits. Lauren Hansen, the other, 12.8 per game. Both of those ladies have started all 25 games. In fact, Haley Troop is another. You know, three starters for all 25 games. And so a pretty consistent lineup here in many respects on a team that's been fairly inconsistent. Uh, Caitlin Gilbert has uh, played in 24 games and started eight. She is second on the team with 23 blocks. She also is second on the team with 25. Ironically, there are three Lady Tigers with 25 steals. Lauren Hansen leads the team uh, with 28. The best three-point shooter on the team is Haley Frank, number 43. She's shooting just below 40%. Lauren Hansen shooting right at 33%. Ashton Judd has been a part-time player for them, but she is a bit of a three-point specialist averaging 42%, uh, and that's on 52 attempts. About a third of what you see from Hanson and Frank, but still pretty consistent, probably put her in some late-game situations. She has not started a game. But, uh, again, you look at the numbers here, there's nothing that really jumps out you look at and say, hey, this is the strength of this team because they're basically right. Or their averages are right around what they're allowing And so you obviously correlate that to a a very mediocre team that has really struggled in SEC play. So this is one we got to get. It's as simple as that. We can sit here and belabor the point. We can try to hype up the game and talk about what's special about this team. There's, There's really nothing special about this Missouri team. Our ladies need to go take care of business. When you begin to think about what Missouri has endured here as of late, you begin to realize they're not going to be in postseason play. They're just kind of playing out the string. And I think it's important for us to kind of add to their misery. You know, this is a team that has grown accustomed to not winning, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what happens. But you never take anything for granted when you go on the road in a Southeastern Conference. But you begin, again, to kind of break this thing down, and you look at it, and you begin to realize, you know, this is a team that has won one game since January the 8th. January 5th, excuse me. That's a long time to take the floor and only have one victory. Just one. And most of these games here as of late have not truly been competitive. Just really the one game that was, was the game against Alabama, and they ended up losing that one by seven. But the majority of these games, there has been some real separation in the game uh, by Missouri's opponents. We need to go out and hit them in the mouth in that first quarter. Uh, should not be, you know, one of those you know, big crowds, certainly. Uh, you know, back when uh, <laughs> they were playing as well as they were, they had a lot of people there. Now, their last home game, they have a reported attendance of 3,698. I just don't know that I believe that. I just don't know if I believe that. Uh, but I do know that they do like their basketball up there. You know, so we'll, we'll see what we go and encounter up there. Of course, that was a Sunday game. Their last home SEC game in the midweek was against Vanderbilt, a game in which they won. That's a 2,523 attendance uh, turnstile total there. 
So we could see, you know, an interesting crowd. I don't think it'll be a boisterous crowd. I think this is a team, too, that is just simply ready to get the season over. Uh, and it is, it's not a great schedule down the stretch for them. Uh, they do get Mississippi State as a home game. They go to A&M, who is the worst team in the conference. Then they got to go to Ole Miss and play Florida. Uh, that's going to be in Columbia. That'll be senior day. But, um, you know, it could be a lot worse. You could have LSU, Tennessee or South Carolina, but you look at that and you think A&M is probably the only sure win despite the fact that game is in College Station. And as we saw over the weekend, the Lady Aggies are, are playing more competitive basketball. They're building towards the future. So it's a far from a sure thing. It's difficult for us to go on the road and play. It's difficult for them to go on the road and play. You could certainly see, see, with, uh, pardon me, see a situation here where Missouri loses out. They could be end up 4-12 and 12 in the conference. They certainly could. You'd like to think they could go beat A&M, but, uh, you know, obviously they have to win out to be 500 in the league, and uh, prospects that happen are pretty, pretty slim. All right, let's look at uh, bracketology here. You may have seen this report earlier today. Uh, your ladies are currently in the tournament based on Charlie Crean's projections. We're actually listed as the last team in the field. That's awfully interesting. I think we would probably all agree. The last team in, Mississippi State. At least we're in the projection now, and we can control our own destiny. But we are currently listed uh, basically in the play-in game against Nebraska. The winner of that game would be a 12 seed in the Chapel Hill pod, which is part of the Seattle portion of the bracket. Now, the current projections have Oklahoma as the five, and then the winner of the Nebraska-Mississippi State game is a 12. You know, people love those 12-5 matchups. But uh, Oklahoma having a good year. North Carolina, of course, is the host as the four. And then the automatic qualifier of University of Wisconsin at Green, Green Bay. So you feel like, hey, if we can just make the tournament, we'd be happy. But if we're going to go all that way, let's go win a game too, right? So, again, currently, as of today, Mississippi State projected to be in the women's tournament. It's been a while since so we could say that. Last year, yeah. Last year, maybe, maybe some earlier projections this year, but now it's starting to get very serious. With just four games to play prior to the conference tournaments, Mississippi State projected as the last team in. Not with a lot of comfort, though. You know, we're kind of in a precarious situation. St. John's, Princeton, Syracuse, Bowling Green listed as the four, first four out, then UMass, Toledo, West Virginia, and Texas Tech, the next four out. And again, we're the last, in the last four in along with Georgia, Marquette, and Nebraska. So you win against Missouri, you begin to get some upper mobility. You win those next two, you're in the field comfortably, no matter what happens at LSU. I think we all kind of see it the same way. But again, it's good to see that uh, Charlie Crane sees it the same way that we do, and Charlie has now given us a tip of the cap. You say, but Steve, you didn't talk about the men. Well, I saved it all for this. Currently, the Mississippi State men listed as the last four in and the top team in that quadrant, Mississippi State, North Carolina, New Mexico, and Clemson. Being the last four in also has us in a play-in game against North Carolina. And again, these are, you know, Joe Lenardi's projections. It's not the official uh, bracket. But the fact that we're in the conversation is important. Now, that would have us, let's say that he is correct and the chalk holds. That would have us headed to Des Moines, Iowa to play St. Mary's in a 6-versus-11 game. Kansas State and UC Santa Barbara would round out that quadrant. I think that's pretty good. 
<laughs> that's a pretty good draw for us, all things considered. But I think, again, the fact that we're in the conversation here February 15th is something that we can all feel very good about. Now, the good thing is for the Mississippi State men, I think the schedule is a little more advantageous for us to have some upper mobility. Now, the girls, you could say, or the ladies, pardon me, yeah, they could win all of these three of these four games. They could also lose three of these four games. That's an important aspect of this. Yes, we're in, or we're projected to be in. Now we have to finish. I just feel like Mississippi State men have less toss-ups down the stretch, if that makes sense. So I think there's a little more margin for error for the men, not so much for the women. We have kind of went over the schedule ad nauseum. Let's take a quick look back, though, at the men. We start looking at standings and things like that, looking at teams around us and how everybody else is projected. You know, we have got to have a good week. You win these two games this week, you can't coast, but I think you can feel pretty good about where you sit because, again, once you get through this week, save that A&M game, and even that game I think is toss-up. There's not a sure loss on the schedule. You beat Kentucky, you go to Oxford, and you uh, probably put a nail in the coffin of the Kermit Davis era in Oxford. All of a sudden, you know, you've won you know, seven in a row. You're trending. And now you're 500 in the conference with four games to play. And then of those four games, you should be favored in all of them, but maybe the exception of the A&N game. And then, who, again, who knows what condition they're going to be in by the time they get here. So, again, a little more margin for error on the men's side. But as of today, both teams projected to make the NCAA tournament field. That is a huge part of things as we move forward. The beginning of this year, if I told you, hey, they're both going to be projected to be in the field in February, you probably wouldn't have believed it, but you certainly would have taken it. And so now it's time for our fans to show up, and those that have been showing up continue to show up and help move these teams forward and get them into postseason play. You know, it's been a while since both of them have been in the tournament, and there's only been, I guess, one season in a long time that they've both been in the tournament. And, of course, that's when uh, you know, Ben Howland blew that game against Liberty. But be that as it may, meaningful basketball being played of the maroon and white variety. And so let's encourage our fans to come out and support that. And, again, I'll say it every show if we have to, we hired the right two coaches and you're beginning to see the foundation poured for what I believe is going to be a very exciting uh, run of basketball on both the men's and the women's side. So, again, thanks to Campus Bookmark for sponsoring uh, this segment. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. You know, it's baseball season, and Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog, I hate to even say it that way, because the Diamond Dog designation is something that lives forever. But uh, Brooks part of a couple of Omaha teams, and now Brooks part of a great group of residential developers bringing a wonderful Wonderful place to live, Starkville. It's Portico. Neatly positioned just off 82. You take 82 towards 12, like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Take that right, go through the four-way stop, there's Portico. You can go by and check it out yourself next time you're in town. You don't need, uh, you know, you don't need a real estate agent to take a self-guided tour. Many of you, maybe you're the decision maker in your family. So you know what? I need to gather some information. Give Brooks or Tex a call. A call or text today, 601-416-8075. Portico, 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Many of you have had the dream of re- returning to Starkville or moving to Starkville and making this your permanent home, or perhaps that you can afford to have a second home. 
Maybe it's an investment property for you, but Portico is absolutely the way to go. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Uh, you'll be glad you did. That nice walking trail out there. Your new neighbors are already enjoying the high life. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two nearing completion. Many of those homes are sold. There are still a few that are available. And there's also some lots where you can pick out your lot and have a say in your house plans. If you need a custom build, they can accommodate you with that as well. Very easy to deal with. Exciting place to live. Make Portico your next move. All right. Let's look at this weekend's college baseball opponent. I thought about doing this Friday, but I said, you know what? A lot of our folks are going to be traveling on Thursday. And so Friday, we'll kind of preview the weekend and we'll recap what happened with Mississippi State men's basketball against Kentucky. We'll recap the women's game against Missouri. We'll preview those baseball weekends and then we'll preview the weekend in basketball. So a lot to talk about on Friday. So I decided let's move the VMI preview to today. So we've got a little more time to talk about it. Now this VMI team... They were brutal last year. They were terrible, but they've got nearly everybody back. Just kind of look at last year's schedule real quickly here. Was not a good year. They're 16 and 40 last year. 16 and 40, went 6 and 15 in their conference, ended the year on a seven game losing streak. They were absolutely abysmal away from their home ballpark, 6 and 24. One of those games, a neutral side, everything else, a true road game. They opened up the year, though, last year. On Friday, on the road and beat Duke 10-5. to Kind of like shades of that Eastern Kentucky series, right? So they lose the series two out of three, but they get a big win against Duke. And, you know, everybody's got a Friday night guy, right? Everybody does. Uh, that was one of those games, too. They jumped on them right out of the gate the very first inning, got a home run, built a lead. And the next thing you know, you look up and it's 7-1 to VMI. It's like Duke had been absolutely slapped around there. Pretty crazy. We'll go back and look at that. Uh, Tyler Braidit or Brat got the start, went six innings, uh, six hits, allowed just a one-armed run, struck out eight, had two walks. But uh, a good opening game for them. And you know they felt pretty good about life after winning that one. Well, the next two were, were wins for Duke, but... VMI went into Sunday with a chance to take the series, and they lose an 8-7 game. So they were ready to play, for sure. They go to Virginia. They get blown out. They take the next weekend, they go to Lexington, Virginia, and they take three from from Lafayette. I almost said Lafayette. They sweep that series, lose to James Madison. Our friends from Bingington, they take two of three from them. You know, we played them in a midweek game and absolutely destroyed them. That's when we had the flat tire issue. Had to send Everett to go get them. They then beat Penn State in a midweek game, 11-4. Lose to Holy Cross and then uh, split a weekend series with Lehigh. They go to North Carolina in a midweek game and lose that 5-1. They didn't get swept by Ryder. They lose a midweek game to ODU. Swept by Georgetown. Blasted at home by Virginia Tech, 13-4. Uh, lose to Radford, they get swept by UNC Wilmington, and that, that's a team that's kind of, for a while there was a very trendy, you know, mid-major in college baseball. They go on the road and beat VCU. And you, we know what VCU has done. You know, the Rams have been a very solid program. You know, we hosted them in a regional, the NAFL championship year. But, uh, you know, good ball game here. Wasn't a great year for the Rams last year, but uh, Connor Heizak, the new Bulldog, actually opened the scoring in that ball game with an RBI double. 
to make it a one nothing game, and then eight shutout innings from VMI pitching. Interesting, right? All right, so then our friends, uh, the BBCU, they lose James Madison again. They go to Samford and lose two out of three. Uh, we know what it's like to lose over there, <laughs> unfortunately. But VMI wins the Sunday game to salvage something in a one nothing ball game in the uh, SOCON. They didn't lose to VCU and then uh, take two out of three from the Citadel. Citadel's been a good baseball program, too, in the past. They go to Virginia Tech and lose, and then they, they lose and get swept by East Tennessee State. They take uh, they lose two out of three to Western Carolina. They lose at Richmond. Excuse me, win at Richmond, 19-6. Lose two out of three to UNC Greensboro. Uh, lose two out of three against Mercer, our friends from over there. So Colton Ledbetter ought to be able to give us a good scouting report. Oh, I guess he was at Sanford. I, I, I got R.J. Yeager on the brain. I'm sorry. Uh, they lose to Old Dominion again. They lose. They get swept by Wofford. As a matter of fact, the final game of the series is 17-3. to And then they go to the SoCon tournament and get beat 4-1 uh, by Western Carolina. So, again, they end the year on a really big slide there. But here's the deal. It was a really young VMI team. So we can't just look at it and say, oh, yeah, we should just crush these guys. We're going to have to come play baseball. If not, we're going to be like Duke, kind of looking at ourselves on Saturday, like, what the heck happened? Now, looking back at their numbers here, let's start with uh, with hitting. They returned six of their seven top offensive players. Six of seven. Zach Morris, not from Saved by the Bell. Zach Morris, their best player in really every aspect, hit 332 last year, had 11 doubles, 10 home runs, was second on the team, 41 RBI, also second on the team, and was 13 of 17 stolen base-wise. He was their guy. Struck out 39 times, grounded into just a couple double plays. That's what good foot speed will do for you. But uh, certainly a very, very good uh, player for them. And a guy that we're going to have to have kind of get after, right? I mean, we're going to have to go attack these guys. Uh, will Knight was a redshirt junior last year, an outfielder from Amherst, Virginia. He is the, the one exception and that lineup, it doesn't return. So you start, you know, looking at these power numbers here. Uh, Justin Stark is back for them. He's a nine-home run guy. Brett Cook is back, had a dozen home runs. Uh, Cole Garrett is back with eight home runs. Trey Morgan, not of the LSU fame, he had one. Uh, Ty Swain also had one. So this is a team that doesn't hit for a ton of power. 50 bombs last year as a team. They allowed 87. It's difficult to get going. 91 doubles allowed 136. So you start running through the extra base hits here. They had 13 triples. And three of those uh, in the name of Zach Morris and Trey Morgan had three of them. So extra base hits, a bit of a premium, I guess you could say. But there's something to be said when you get 13 triples. But uh, 309 hits for the team last year did not hit well. Hit 271. And their pitching gave up uh, you know, a batting average of 306. But uh, only Three, four, excuse me, four players last year hit 300 or better. And a lot of that came, of course, uh, against SOCON competition. And three of those players do return. So this is going to be a team that is used to playing together. They're going to come in here with nothing to lose. And they're also going to think, you know what, Mississippi State struggled last year. They're going to be kind of figuring some things out lineup-wise. We're not. So I expect them to come in and be confident. I just think the talent differential is going to be too much for them to overcome. But if we think we're just going to be able to show up and go through the motions and people be intimidated by the fact they're playing at Duty Noble Field, we're kidding ourselves. I mean, again, you just kind of go back and look at their schedule. 
they spent a lot of time last year playing in Power 5 venues. Now, granted, nothing's quite like Duty Noble Field, but the reality of it is, is this is a team that's scheduled pretty aggressively in the non-conference. They played some teams that have some real tradition. So I don't think they're going to be intimidated. I think we're going to have to come out, and, and really I think this series is won and lost really on our ability to throw strikes and then our ability to hit their pitching. Now, looking at their pitching numbers, they bring basically everybody back from last year. And that may not be a good thing. Now, the good thing is they, they took their lumps last year, but uh, their leading innings pitch guy last year is Tyler Kaltrider. He had 10 starts and 19 appearances last year. He was a freshman right-hander, 6'3", 175 pounds, and an ERA of 6.30. And this guy has a propensity to give up the long ball. I don't know how the balls will jump this weekend. It's supposed to be partly cloudy. I don't expect there'll be a lot of home runs hit. I know we're always expecting that, but this February home runs are tough to come from, come by unless you play at Alex Box Stadium. Um, but 14 home runs allowed by Tyler uh, Caltrider last year. I do expect that we'll see him uh, this weekend. And again, 10 starts for him. Nathan Light, good bet. We see him as well. 22 appearances, eight of them starts. Uh, Nathan's a guy with a 6.26 ERA. He was a redshirt. He's a redshirt junior from last year uh, from Enterprise, Alabama. Pitched against Duke, pitched against Penn State, pitched against North Carolina. Uh, the Samford, of course, Virginia Tech. And so this is a guy that has seen power five hitters. Not going to be intimidated. Two and four on the year last year. We, we mentioned Tyler Brait was his name last year. Uh, this is another guy that's pitched against North Carolina, uh, mainly against kind of G5 competition, but also made an appearance against Duke, as you're well aware of. Is uh, He worked uh, six innings in the win to open their season. And ironically, he is from a deep run high school. I don't know if we've ever talked about anybody from deep run high school, and if we did, maybe we didn't know it. But collectively as a team, they struggled mightily to prevent teams from scoring. And it wasn't just a ton of unearned runs. You know, this is like Tyler Coutrider or Coutrider, 45 earned runs, 45 runs allowed, all every one of them earned. Allowed 82 hits last year, struck out 62, walked just 15. So it wasn't like he's walking the ballpark. He's getting hit. Nathan Light, though, 39 walks against 46 Ks. Uh, Tyler Brait, 35 walks against 61. So they will walk you if you will allow them to do so. Puts them obviously in a bad situation. Everybody is a different pitcher in a stretch. I don't care who you are, where you're from. You're a different pitcher in a stretch. This is a team last year with a team collective ERA of 7.22. You give up seven runs a game. You win about three times more than you, you lose about three times more than you win, which is what happened to them. Zero complete games last year. They allowed three. They had one shutout. Of course, that's that one nothing win. They were shut out three times last year. Uh, just six saves on the year and 19 against them. So they did again had some competitive games, but uh, just weren't able to score enough runs to get it done. When you start running through these numbers with these pitchers, there's nobody you look at that just jumps out and scares you. But, again, you don't know what measure of jump a guy's going to take from one year to the next. Uh, Trey Morgan is a you know position player and a pitcher. ERA of 7.36. Will Riley was 7.46. Will Lopez had one of the better ERAs on the team. 
uh, as a part-time reliever. He's from Mechanicsville, Virginia. 5'10", 170-pound left-hander. So, again, you start running through these numbers and you begin to realize there's a reason they only won 16 games last year. And we're Mississippi State. We should be able to go win this series. But if we go out there and just kind of go through the motions, and the good thing is we don't have any ceremonies to go through. We're just going to go out there and sing a national anthem, get ready to play a baseball game. There's just not a lot at this point you look at and say they shouldn't be able to challenge us. The experience of the lineup, of course, is a bit of a concern because of the quality of competition they played last year in a non-conference. They're going to see this as an opportunity. This is a chance for us to turn our season around. We all took our lumps, mainly last year as young guys. So let's go get it done. So I'm not concerned about the weekend. I'm absolutely not concerned about the weekend. But we need to get a sweep. We need a sweep. We don't need this this thing carrying the RPI or the net or whatever they want to call it in college baseball these days. We don't need a loss to a team that's probably facing another losing record to ride our resume the rest of the year. We got to figure it out. I tell you nothing to kind of looking at this team, this via my team. I I respect the fact they're willing to kind of go on the road and go play some games. They're going to play us, of course. They're going to go play Virginia in a midweek game. Uh, they schedule a little bit smarter this year, but they do go to Virginia Tech. They get a home and home with Virginia Tech midweek. They will play VCU a couple times too, but but not as much Power Five competition this year as they get ready to get into conference play. So they schedule a lot lighter this year which may be a good thing when you consider the fact that they scheduled heavier last year with a younger team. And maybe this year it's like, hey, we're a more experienced team this year. Let's schedule some winnable games and see if we can't put together a winning season. I I just don't know if they've got enough uh, on the pitching side of things. That's the thing you always wonder about. Everybody's got an ace, but most of these teams don't have a bullpen. That's the thing you look at, you know, because once you get it, because we're a team that'll run the count up on you, we'll get your starter out of the game and get in that bullpen because if you had a better pitcher, he'd already be on the mound. But, you know, looking at you know some of these guys here, we talk about Will Lopez. Nathan Light is another guy, too, that uh, had those, some starts last year. But by and large, you know, it was mainly the same three or four guys. You know, Trey Morgan being one of those guys. But uh, this is a team that struggles to miss bats. We have to make sure that uh, we make that happen, too. I mentioned Colt uh, Ryder had allowed 14 home runs. Morgan's allowed 10. Lopez, 9. Will Riley, 9. And you start doing that. When you, you know, the more pitch, the more likely you are to get hit, right? But you start doing that in, in relation to innings pitched. Lopez, a full-time reliever. Riley, pretty much the same. Uh, Nathan Light was a, a starter at times for them last year. But a lot of these guys in the bullpen will serve it up. A lot of these guys in the pen gave up multiple home runs last year. And, again, the batting average against, just not good. Absolutely not good. And uh, so I'm not going to sit here and hype this series up and say that, you know, it's some big series. It absolutely isn't this big series. But it's one of those series that we can ill afford to drop a game. It's as simple as that. We absolutely cannot drop a game. We have got to go out here and make this thing happen and get our season off on the right foot. Like many of you, I've been waiting for this weekend to come for a long time. It's because of the fact we we need a palate cleanser. Last year was abysmal for all of us. For all of us that love Mississippi State baseball, even for casual fans, we just kind of endured the season. We were ready to get it over. We thought after we took that series at Ole Miss, it's okay, this is a turning point. We're still kind of fighting the season. We know we don't have a lot of depth pitching-wise, but we have kept the dream alive and turned to a nightmare. And I remember sitting there at Sanford 
seeing two grand slams given up and it's like, you know, this is, this is not us. This is not us. So we can ill afford to go out here and drop a game. We certainly can't afford to drop a series. I mean, this is not a good team by any stretch of the imagination. But like all of you, I am looking at this as a chance for a sweep. We have to take advantage of this. We have a very manageable homestand to open the season. We talk about you know, VMI coming in. And then next week, and that's the thing you start thinking about this, man, we're going to play a ton of baseball, an absolute ton of baseball, uh, right out of the chute. As we should. Got to figure out who we can trust. You get VMI, and we come back for a Tuesday-Wednesday deal against Louisiana Monroe. And then we get Arizona State coming in. We get Monday off, and then we're headed to uh, to Pearl, Mississippi, Trustmark Park. We'll go down there and play that ball game and, uh, and have a good time. And then we're headed to Frisco. And me and a lovely bride will be making that trip. Already got our media credentials uh, requested. We'll play Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cal. We got to go out there and win a couple games. Then you come home and it's Valpo and Lipscomb. And the next thing you know, uh, we're down in Biloxi for a little bit of a uh, get-together with Nichols in, in, in Louisiana. And then we open up SEC play March 17th uh, in Lexington. So let's get excited about this. But the way to breed excitement is to win ball games. It's as simple as that. We've got to win. And listen, baseball is a crazy game. But the reality of it is, we ought to have a great record by the time we get into SEC play. And Arizona State's going to have talent. We all know that. But when you start looking through all these uh, these preseason opponents, when I say preseason, the, the non-conference opponents, who do you look at and say, okay, well, that's going to be a tough game for us? I mean, it just, it just that isn't the case. And I'm sure those teams are thinking, hey, they're sitting in Mississippi State with Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan, and it's not. It's not, but uh, Louisiana Monroe last year, 20-35-1. 20-35-1. You never know what midweek pitching is going to look like for us or for them. You know, they're, they're not going to throw a weekend guy against us. Arizona State didn't have a great year last year as well. That's a, that's a name opponent that uh, has had some great runs in college baseball. I would submit one of the top 15 programs in the country, historically. They went 26 and 32 last year. So you start running through all this and you realize, okay, we're going to play our first eight games against teams that had losing records. And then we'll go play Southern Miss and Pearl, a team last year that's lost an awful lot. But they weren't, you know, they were in a super regional last year. You know, they were a team, obviously, that uh, one of the better teams in their history, that they did lose a lot. They did return some key pieces, but you know, we've got a chance here to rack up some W's and get some confidence before we go play Southern Miss. And we're going to have to depend on somebody, probably a newcomer. Is it Bradley Lofton? I don't, I don't know. We're going to have to depend on a young guy probably in that ball game. But I think, again, it's important to get off on the right foot and begin to feel good and exercise the demons from last year. That's a huge part of all of this. Get three this weekend and start stringing together these wins. And uh, I, I'm not. I'm obviously not going to sit here and tell you we're going to go eight and zero before we go to to Pearl because you know I, I just know how college baseball works. It'd be amazing if we could do that. But right now I'm just trying to get to uh, get through the weekend undefeated. Reminder: the Friday game is a 3 p.m. first pitch. So we will get up Friday morning and record that show. It's again one of the reasons why I went ahead and recorded the VMI preview today. 
We record the Friday show either Thursday night or Friday morning early so you guys can have it in anticipation of that. If, we, if you're traveling up that day, if you're out uh, you know, setting up your, uh, your rigs, you'll have the Boneyard to listen to. And then 2 p.m. on Saturday, 1 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, TBA on Tuesday, Wednesday. And if you've looked ahead to the calendar, which I think that the, the 10-day forecast is one of the worst things that's ever happened to modern-day civilization, but we will, uh, we will give into it. it. As of now, there is a slight chance of rain on Tuesday, Wednesday. That said, a lot will change between now and then. It will be cool on Friday with a low in the 30s and a high in the high 40s. It does warm as we get into the weekend. Could be a high in the uh, mid-60s on Sunday. So excited to be back at Duty Noble Field. And again, so many great things to talk about. We'll be back on Friday and have a big show, obviously. Uh, we already got our top 10 list kind of lined out. We know what we're going to talk about. Hopefully we'll recap on a couple of baseball, uh, basketball wins as we get ready for uh, a three-game weekend against VMI. So again, a veteran lineup that didn't have a lot of success last year, but that can be an awfully dicey thing. They ought to be pretty good defensively after playing together so much last year. But uh, we're going to have to go play, play baseball. Speaking of baseball, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get personalized or signed copies of Dogpile, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Flim Flam. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, my book of poetry, you can find that at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMillion.com, or through your local bookstore. Looking for Stark Villains gear? Go to StarkVillains.com. You'd look awfully handsome or beautiful in a Stark Villains hoodie at Duty Noble Field. And be sure and let me know. I'd love to see your pictures, right? It's true. And as always, go to jeanspage.com for all the latest information in Mississippi State sports. We're going to blow out coverage of college baseball again this year. Be on the road a lot, excited about it, ready to get out there and go and, uh, and have a good time. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.